Hi there, folks. Welcome back to Greenlit Flicks and Cinema Fray. That's right. You're getting a two for one in this week because this is going to be basically our mid-season finale. We're going to go on a little bit of a hiatus here while we record a bunch of uh, good video content and try to promote that. Um, but we will return eventually, and don't don't worry, we will be still doing any reviews of big movies. Like you can probably expect a Deadpool two and Incredibles two type of movie review. So we'll still pop in here and there, but we're gonna be going on a little bit of a hiatus from the weekly set of stuff. So this is gonna be a big. Uh, blow-off episode for us. We're going to cover the rest of the Cinema Fray bracket, as well as cover some of the big news going on this uh, time of the year at the Cannes Festival, which, Michael, you are going to be taking care of. So, uh, well, first, yeah, I might as well introduce you. we got Michael oh. on the line here. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um... So let's let's start with the news, Michael. Uh, what what kind of news you got for us? Okay, so I, I in the middle of trying to dig for more can news, I couldn't get past any articles that didn't involve the female star protest that took place. Um, I believe yesterday. Um, eighty-two. Is this a wage thing? I don't know what it is. Uh, eighty-two film. I guess film professionals, female film professionals, um, stood out on the red carpet, um, and like huddled as a group. And there's there's plenty of photos of it going around right now. But um, basically, as a protest, saying, "Hey, why were there only this many female-led movies at the festival and not this many?" And it's back to the uh, sexual abuse um, claims and. All these women are speaking out. Kate Blanchett is the president of the festival jury this year. So I'm sure she has a big role in it, as well as um, Kristen Stewart is involved. There's Ava DuVernay, um, Lea Sado, who's a French actress. Um, and then there's an African filmmaker who's also involved. Um but just to quote, Blanchette said, The prestigious Palme d'Or has been bestowed upon 71 male directors, too numerous to mention by name, but only two female directors. Um, and honestly, I'm not sure if... It, I mean, it's clearly just like, hey, we need more women, which I get. Um, but beyond that, it's not seeming to touch on much else, which is very weird. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, I you think it's odd because you look at again we like last year we had the three biggest movies were through female led with uh, Last Jedi, Wonder Woman, and mm -hmm. Beauty and the Beast. And so it's not as if women aren't getting that. I guess the the. What, what what am I trying to say? The <laughs> yeah. recognition, maybe. See, um, but I don't think I don't think and, they're but, counting those. Like I don't. Yeah, they're wanting like the the I guess I don't want to say Oscar bait, but yeah, those kind of movies, they want the recognition the more... for not not box office wise. They want the recognition more awards. Yeah. Um, and respect, which I understand. 
Right. Um, but yeah, so the, so we got a female protest going on over at the Cannes Festival right now, which sounds like a, a real fun time. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it's stirring things up there, stirring the pot a little bit, um, which is always good at Cannes. That's what it's there for. Yeah, you know, let's ban the Netflixes and uh, all that other good jazz. Uh, really stirring that pot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, I mean, they're in terms of news, we're just kind of covering some of the basics here. Uh, we're, yeah. Uh, we could talk about how Avengers is killing it across the globe right now. Could, <laughs> could, but you know what? It doesn't uh, need to be said we, anymore. We had a, a an hour and a half long podcast of how we felt about the Avengers, so. You know, mm-hmm. if you didn't check that out, do so at this time, unless you have not seen the movie for whatever reason, in which case, see the movie, then hear our opinions, and then send us mean emails and messages about how you don't agree with us. Um, yeah, those are though... always appreciated. <laughs> but, uh, so y- there was some controversy around this movie that you sent me from Cannes. Yeah. Um, it what stars Adam Driver and uh, and um, and he the the I don't know his his name the actor it's the guy who played um, Elizabeth Swan's father oh in the yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I feel so bad because I don't know his name um, but they star together in this movie called uh, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Which is about Adam Driver, who is a director of a film adaptation about um, Don Quixote. Um, And his star actor is really not invested in the character. And for some reason, he, I I guess, essentially just gets hit over the head and he magically turns himself into Don Quixote. Um, And so it's following Adam Driver on his crazy journey to try to finish this film um with an actor that's completely switched personalities um halfway through filming um but it got a lot of controversy because um the one of the production companies that worked on it had claimed that the Cannes Film Festival had tried to force the film into the festival after um after a lot of protests from the festival. So the, the festival creators um, were initially opposed to what I think was um, like the, the style of the film or the, the medium. I think it might have been a, a TV production um, overall or TV funded. And so, you know, the Netflix thing came up and they're like, oh, no, no, we can't have that. Um, so initially they were like, no, we won't include it. But then they switched their, um, their perspective on it, um, very close to the festival and they got into this huge, I guess, social legal battle with one of the production companies involved. And, um, the news came out just yesterday, midway through the festival, um, with, them announcing that hey we're gonna show it as the closing film 
Um, so the man who killed Don Quixote will uh, premiere on Saturday, May 19th as the closing night of the festival. Um, and that comes after basically a judge ruled that the production company had no legitimate claim to trying to get their film out of the festival. And the Cannes Film Festival basically said, hey, we didn't force anybody to submit this fest this film to the festival. So you don't really have any grounds to remove it from our festival. Um, yeah, a lot of weird stuff. And the, I mean... You know, whenever it, the, last the, year... I'm sorry to yeah. cut you off. Whenever, no, you're good. Uh, last year, whenever you went, none of this... There wasn't a lot of controversy from what no. I remember around this festival. And I'm so... You know, hearing this just be like this. What this is the seventy first year. This is a very controversial year in total for this festival. If you include the Netflix thing and this Don Quixote and uh, the women's revolution, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, so you know, it's it's I honestly mean, just super strange. Yeah. I feel like last year was kind of a, a build-up a of a lot of things. I mean, we've seen the last two years here in the United States that there's just been this huge build-up of uh, social issues and, and other other complexities that have been brought to light um, more firmly than in the past. And I think when I was there last year, it felt like there was a lot um missing from the festival like like i felt the excitement but i could tell in a lot of situations there was um there was a very hesitant like like a hesitancy um with a lot of the the filmmakers and the 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 regulars who would show up every year it was like it was like they knew something was gonna happen and everyone was playing their cards very close to the chest last year um, and then, you know, the events of last year, um, kind of took place overall and it seems like it just exploded on Cannes this year. But I mean, the festival itself comes out and says all the time that they're a, a very unique forum for, um, freedom of expression and all that. Um, so it's nothing they're opposed to. It's just the way that social issues have moved in the last year has created a lot of strange things for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a, a very interesting year because I mean, we've been covering cans news since, Oh, um, what the beginning of this year, mm-hmm. because I think that's when the Netflix thing started up and it's been a whole world whirlwind of uh, information coming at us since mm-hmm. Um, has Solo already opened up at Cannes? Has that happened yet? Um, I can check, but I don't think... Because I heard, so I, I was reading the other day that some there's been early reviews from screeners or whatever mm. from, for Solo, and apparently they're pretty mixed. Pretty Ooh. mixed. I'll have to try to find my source, but there is a... It may not be looking so uh, good for the solo. Oh yeah. Um. Oh, here it's. That's bizarre. 
Sorry, I'm looking up what time it's going to premiere. Oh, you're fine. Um, the last, oh God, the, the last Star Wars movie to premiere at the festival, um, fun fact, was Phantom Revenge Menace? of the, it was Revenge of the Sith, <sighs> Darn it. Um, premiered in 2005, but A Phantom Menace did not premiere at the festival. <laughs> Attack of the Clones did in 2002. Oh, barf. Ooh, that must have been no bueno. So uh, it, it was from the world premiere in L.A., so uh yeah so that happened i think the 9th or the 10th um they praise lando and chewbacca but uh that's about all we're all i'm reading here this is from collider Mm -hmm. um they don't click any other sources but i think they're based out there so it would make sense for them to just source themselves you know yeah um so um, that's something yeah it's, uh, <laughs> it's better I mean, than i expected but kind of a i mean well mixed reviews i mean i that's not better than what i expected i expected i expected to get like a 60 to 70 range um See, which i, I mean, consider mixed but i think it could go into the 50s i yeah. just think due to it still being a star wars film in this day and age under the disney regime i i I think that it may be a little bit higher in terms of Rotten Tomato score. I don't know. I feel like if it didn't get any shit, then I don't know. We wouldn't be really talking about it. <laughs> right. It's right. like, you know, I don't want to go see Solo. I, I'm almost at the point now I want to see Solo and I want to dislike things about it. I mean, it's just been built up in my mind. Like, I'm going to have some opinion of it and if i walk in and it's just like it's a decent movie i'm gonna be like well now i gotta now what do i do (laughs) (laughs) what am i supposed to do now Um, well you know yeah it's it's gonna be i'm sure it's gonna be fine i i i I mm -hmm. doubt that it's gonna be awful i hope that's not gonna be bad i never expected it to be terrible i just knew it had you know we just knew it had a lot of issues going through production and post-production yeah ron howard i think is on well i mean i'm sure the whole team is they're on their uh media tour right now covering Ooh. all the late night shows and stuff i saw mm-hmm. i think howard on it was i don't know it was kilmore fallon or one of those guys you know I, they, they all yeah. blend together to me um well donald glover was on um quite a few shows for his music video yeah, before This Is America, um, yeah. Yep, and then... Yeah, but wait, I, time out. Gambino was for the oh. music video. Glover is for Star Wars. Oh, no, but they talked about both. I remember um, Jimmy Controversy. Kimmel was... I know, Jimmy Kimmel was like... He was like, oh, yeah, like, you have Solo... There's a lot going on. You've got Solo coming out. You've got this new music video that everyone's talking about. And then he's like, I totally forgot and maybe you forgot too that his season i think it was season premiere of atlanta, um, of atlanta had premiered uh or was about to premiere yeah late last week <laughs> he's like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, just so you don't forget, I, forgot. <laughs> I have this really good tv show that's also out yeah. <laughs> i'm just like well you know and i haven't seen atlanta but i've only heard 
incredibly positive things about it. Yeah. Um, which it's one of those shows I want to check out, but it's not on the Netflix or I, no. I don't know. I don't even know if it's on Hulu. I haven't checked it. I haven't looked. What channel is it? Is it FX? I think FX. Yeah. Yeah. So it may be on there. Those obscurities. But oh. yeah. So Clover has a lot going on right now, which we kind of like mm-hmm. drifted off from what we were. I know. I'm like, wait, I had more can. Um, uh, yeah, no. So let's get back to Can. So uh, Solo's got a premiere probably, what, Friday? I believe so. It's yeah. in their, um, it's in their, they, they literally have a market um, just for premiering Hollywood style movies. Because I know, um, I think Under the Silver Lake, which we, we're both in love with yes. already. Yeah. Um, I think that has a lineup um, in the same category as Solo. Mm-hmm. as far as premiere i don't know about awards but as far as premiere yeah um a lot of bigger budget movies tend to like i know china usually has a movie or japan has a movie um a big budget film like hollywood style film that they kind of just group together like it's basically like hey we really like these movies but they're not our usual style so because their usual style is foreign and indie films Speaking of indie films, you know, uh, I got this email from AMC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like expand your uh, uh, gauge, expand your movie palette with AMC I, which is I guess AMC Independent or something like that. Ooh. And so they send me like all these movies that are independent movies coming out here in the next few months. So hmm. interesting, cool. but yeah, but get back to cans. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um. Sh- we should probably, because I just ran across this, um, for the first t- I think for the first time this In year, <laughs> no Disney here, uh, <laughs> uh, for the first time can this year set up a sexual harassment hotline at the festival, and the only response was essentially, uh... Too little, too late. Sorry. Um, what? Yeah. I mean, they, they, I think they said they receive, um, I don't know. It was a, it was an interesting number. Like they received like over a hundred calls a day in can, um, on this sexual harassment hotline. Um, which is just terrifying because I was there last year. And I mean, I remember my, um, our, our professor, um, on the trip, she told us to always, you know, stay in groups, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we were always told to stay with the girls and basically like, it it was so bad. Like, I feel bad doing it, but, um, we had to, we were basically like, Hey, don't let the girls go off on their own if you can help it. Um, that's messed up. Yeah, which was bad. Um, but I guess I mean seeing this statistic now that you have this many women calling on a on a daily basis um, is just horrifying in itself. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I don't know how to respond. That pause, to that. I was like, oh wow. No. Um, no, it's it's absolutely crazy. Um, especially amid all these like these protests now and um, all these film 
these female filmmakers um, doing this huge, like, I guess, rally last night. Yeah, but those kind of people don't care when it is or where it is, you know? You know what I mean? Like, the predators, I guess. Oh, Uh, yeah. Yeah, they don't give a damn where or anything like that. I'm curious. Like, I don't know what... Like, it redefines my whole, like, view on the the environment there. Yeah. Because, like, there's not just a bunch of rapists who live in Cannes. Like, people don't just move to Cannes and, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to harass women every year at the festival. Like, there are a lot of places in that festival that are blocked off and, and heavily um, guarded with security. So that that just initially says to me that it's a problem within the festival itself. Yeah, definitely. Which is horrible. Um, We've covered a lot of morbid news here today. Um, (laughs) I mean, it just keeps coming up. You can't get away from it these days. Definitely. Man, you know, I don't know. I don't want to... Due to it being a sensitive subject, I don't want to continue down this uh, thread. I agree. Um, so, what other news do we got? Maybe something <laughs> a little bit more lighthearted. Um. Yeah. Do you want to? I don't know. I'll I'll talk about to the jury this year. The official jury was they were announced a while ago, um, but. It's really cool to see who's involved, and, and I don't understand how they pick it because it's always so random every year. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year it consists of five women, four men, seven seven different nationalities, and um, all the jurors come from five different continents. Um, so president is Kate Blanchett, who is um, listed here as an Australian actress and producer. You got Ching Ching Chen. Chinese actor Ava DuVernay, uh, Robert Goodigan is a French director, writer, and producer. Uh, Kaja Nin is a Burundian songwriter, composer, and singer. Uh, Lea Sado, French actress. Kristen Stewart, American actress. Dallas, Dennis Villeneuve, uh, who's listed as Canadian, although I think he's He's a little more known for his American work, as far as I I know him. Um, and then Andre Zviadze, I can't pronounce, but he's Russian. Um, I should be able to pronounce that, but um, so it's a very uh, diverse group of individuals, especially I think compared to last year. Um, from what I remember, it was. Uh, I think there were two Spanish filmmakers, Spanish Latin American film filmmakers, and then the rest of the people were like French and American. Hmm. Um, so I guess they they're they're jumping the gun on on a lot of different things, um, which is interesting. Um. Do I any got, of these names stand out to you? Because some of them stand out to me. Like, oh, uh, really? Kate like Blanchett as the president. Yeah. To me, stands out. Uh, Kristen Stewart being on there kind of does, but she's been, I mean, 
I don't so, just yeah. mainly just because she hasn't been out there at all recently. You know, like I See, haven't seen her. See, that's the in thing. Anything. It's um, she's strayed away. That's why I like. I'm really into her work now, Kristen Stewart's, because she has strayed so far from the American, uh, like Hollywood style filmmaking. So to you, it makes she's, a little bit more sense. Yeah, she she's very involved in. Um, I know she was she was spending a lot of time in France, acting. Um, in the last three or four years. Um, but she was in the Cannes selection on the road in 2012, directed by Walter Salas, uh, clouds of Sils Maria, which premiered at the festival also, um, in 2014 and personal shopper in 2016. Um, then she was involved in Woody Allen's cafe society um, and she premiered her short film, Come Swim, in 2017, when I was at the festival last year. Um, she had a whole, um, I guess the, her own segment, I mean, it was listed as Come Swim, uh, talk and short film by Kristen Stewart. And it was like a highlighted feature of the festival last year. Um, so that, I mean, I haven't seen her in anything since... Geez, what the the Snow White and the Huntsman or something like that was the last yeah I think big budget American thing that she's done. I could be wrong, but last thing that no, I saw I her in, and, I mean, she she really I I never really liked her, but it may have just been due to the style of acting she was forced to portray on the screen. Yeah, yeah, I think she was um very Americanized in a lot of her Hollywood movies i mean that's not unexpected um but she straight away if i think for anybody out there who i guess wants a a taste of her career since 2013 2014 there's a film that's that was on netflix for a while and it might still be it was called camp x-ray or camp x or camp x-ray um and that was her first like big venture into um acting for independent films yeah so her career has been it we haven't we don't hear about her here because you know obviously it's very hollywood run right um but she does have a, a bigger career over in europe mainly i believe she she has a permanent um home in europe right now interesting mm-hmm yeah, you know, uh, it's. I mean, it's a bunch of interesting names on there. I, uh, in terms of something I've been following this week, so this has mm-hmm. nothing to do with cans. Uh, so we're just kind of bouncing back and forth between, like, I guess the more widely publicized stuff versus the stuff that, unless you are into the business, you won't know about it, but. Uh, this past week, in terms of television, I've been keeping this my eye on this little show called Brooklyn Nine Nine. <laughs> um, so to go into detail here, I think whenever Brooklyn Nine Nine got renewed for whichever season, well, it was season six or whatever it was back mm-hmm. while it was still on Fox, whatever this last season was, it got moved to a time slot that it was never going to survive in. Um, so that's why it inevitably got canceled this last week. Mm-hmm. And people were 
Now, I just want to kind of explain this to people who don't understand why shows get canceled. It's it's not always because a show is bad, you know? It's just because mm-hmm. if you get put in a time slot that goes up against... I don't remember what night it was on, but it was up against, like, tough shows to be around. Like, it was in a very competitive slot. So And it was also later in the night. So... Mm-hmm you're not going to get as many views at that point. People drop off after a certain hour because a lot of uh, network television viewers are those nine to five workers or eight to five workers, whatever. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to stay up late. Yeah. Um. So I just wanted to kind of explain like it is about the ratings. It's about the viewership. It's not always about how good or bad a show is because Brooklyn nine, nine was vastly entertaining still is because it's getting picked up by NBC and I hope the NBC is smart enough to put it in a good time slot. What was yeah. it originally playing on? Uh, Fox. Fox. Okay. So you know where most shows don't make it. <laughs> um, where shows go to die. You basically, you know, and it's funny because I I haven't watched a whole lot of Brooklyn Nine Nine. I've just seen a few stuff, and there was a big crossover with New Girl, which for uh, so I you know I got. I, that's where I initially saw it, and I just seen a few episodes since. But you know, it's it's a thing where it 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 will be okay. It's going to NBC now, so it's on the same network as the potential Office reboot, which great, um, all that other stuff. Uh, but that was like in terms of news for like I that I saw this past week that was far and away the most publicized news I've been seeing on my news feeds. Yeah. Like, IndieWire was all over it, Hollywood Reporter was all over it, The Rap, so on and so forth. I'm just like, okay, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm glad the show is safe, because a lot of the, you know, I I, I like, uh, oh, I, I, Andy Sandberg. I like Terry Crews and the rest of that cast. I don't want them to not have a job or anything. I'm just like, okay, I'm glad that it's saved. But now we can go on about our time here. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, anyway, uh, what other cans news do you got? Um, I'll just share this last thing that I think you'll like a lot. Um, Nolan did a, I guess, a talk at the festival. Okay. Um, and the subject of his talk was... Why he's a pain in the ass to everybody on his sets. Oh, interesting. Yes. Um, and it ran through a lot of his earlier work. And then going into Batman and how he wanted to shoot those. Um, and then, um, you know, his team and, and who he, he tries to work with. Um, what kind of people he tries to work with. Um, and then he had a little, like, a little monologue at the end, basically about um, his his motivation and um, what he like what he uses to move on to new projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting. I'll have to share the article with you. Yeah, um, but it's an article by IndieWire um, that they just published um, a couple hours ago. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, you'll definitely have to send that over to me because I would love to read it. Yes, indeed. Um, 
Well, let me think. Do you want to... If that's all the news that we got, we can do... Since this is our super mega blow-off episode, um, we can do a red light, green light, uh, and head into the brackets. Sounds Almost. good to me. Sounds good. All right, so red light, green light. Uh, uh, Michael, you want to start us out here? Yeah, uh, I'm going to green light a film that, while we're on the subject of can, I should bring up. It just got, it finally got somewhat of a release in the United States. Um, it's called You Were Never Really Here, uh-huh. starring um, Joaquin Phoenix and directed by Lynn Ramsey. Uh, and it's essentially, if you've seen Lay on the Professional, it's it follows a similar plot line, but its story is very unique in and of itself. Um, so I would definitely green light that movie if you have the chance of seeing it sometime. Okay. Um, so (laughs) my green light this week, um, is going to be a Netflix original TV show. So Gigi decided, Hey, this show looks good. Let's try it because she saw the trailer for it. And so I watched the first, I haven't gone, I haven't seen the whole thing through. I've seen the first few episodes. Now, I can say, without a doubt, it is funny, in, but I, at the same time, it's also not funny. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to feel about this show, but I'm going to green light it anyway, because it's humorous enough where I'm like, everybody should try this out, and if it's for you, cool. But <laughs> it's called, I'm going to probably butcher how to pronounce it, but it's Ekrasoko. Um, so... Mm-hmm. It's an anime, right? Except it's all you know. It's all in English. It's on Netflix. Um, but it's uh, this, this cat is so <laughs> she she the first episode is like just her struggling with her daily life with the job and stuff. Like she she wakes up late for work and wherever she goes to leave her apartment, she grabs the wrong shoes. She shows up to work in Crocs, and so she people are like like. The, there's this I'm not sure what the the gazelle's name is but the gel, gazelle just kind of like pokes fun at her and stuff like that. so and in the end of it uh the cat anytime she gets mad she like goes and hides in the bathroom and she has a microphone with her at all times and she just starts doing metal music like hardcore <laughs> screaming the whole thing and it's like I don't know I I liked it well enough that I'm willing to green light it but it's mainly just because I want people to see it and get a vibe for it. I know that it's like been a, this big deal on social media here recently as well. Mm-hmm. It came out like, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. But yeah, so <laughs> there's my green line. <laughs> Interesting. Um, could I green light one more? You can do whatever you want. Oh, thanks. I like doing whatever I want. Uh, I'm going to green light the, it's, I want to say sequel. It, it's a, uh, film that was directed by, do you know The Lobster? No. The film The Lobster? Okay. I've mind. heard about it, but I've never um, seen it. <laughs> um, so The Lobster was directed by a Greek director named Yorgos... Lanthamon, Lanthamon, um, 
and oh, Lanthimos. Sorry, Yorgos Lanthimos. Um, and you know how we talked about uh, Inside Lewin Davis being such a Michael film? Yes. Um, if if I went like crazy, like 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 psychically, um, psychologically crazy, then mm-hmm. the lobster would probably be a movie that I'd make. So if Inside Lewin Davis is a movie that I'd make, then The Lobster is a movie that I'd make on drugs. Um, but anyway... <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he came out with a sequel last year, and it premiered at Cannes, and I got up early and went and saw it, and um, I regretted it because I saw it at 8 in the morning, and I was like, oh my god... I need to go see this movie again because I have no idea what happened. Um, Because I was half asleep during the first screening of it. But it's called uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Oh, I heard about this. Yes, it's about a a surgeon, um, a heart surgeon, um, who is... He he basically befriends this young boy, this neighborhood kid. um, And it turns into this, like, psychological thriller... Um, involving him, the surgeon, and the boy's father. Um, so it's a really well done movie. It stars um, Nicole Kidman. Uh, it stars uh, what's his name, Colin Farrell. Farrell, yep. Um, and it really plays off the director's style. Like he's he's got a very definite style. Um, they're not the, <laughs> they're not the happiest of films. Um, but they're definitely really intriguing, and if you're super into um, modern filmmaking, you can definitely learn a few things from watching these movies. Interesting. See. Um, and do you have a red light, or are we good? Uh, I do not have a red light. No. Okay. N- well, no. I-, I could also probably red light aggress. Suko, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean whatever. It, it's a green light, but uh, yeah. So if we're done with red light, green light, let's See. go ahead and let's actually instead of moving on to the bracket right now, let's talk about what we are going to be doing during our hiatus. Oh, exciting! Get some early promotional work out there for yeah all of our listeners. Should do it uh, while it's cheap. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Michael, you have a couple things you're wanting to work on during our hiatus. One of them is uh, another podcast um, under this South by Midwest umbrella, Ella. Ella. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, go ahead and kind of talk about that real quick. Yeah, so um, you've been. Gage, you've been uh, really, really on top of this podcast. And I was like, dang, I want to do that, too. Um, And I've been meaning to do a podcast about theme park news and kind of taking like a step closer into the subject. Um, And I remember the first idea I drafted up was um, the whole issue of like Wizarding World of Harry Potter and... um, aesthetics and what work went into it and the history behind it 
Um, and so that idea developed into um, something similar to, like, I know there's a lot of outlets now that do theme park news um, that are huge. Um, but I, my idea is basically to do a podcast in which we not only give news, but we also take some sort of a, a subjective standpoint on the ways that companies are running theme parks or opening attractions or um, the aesthetics of certain things um, and going into depth with that. And I, it just it feels like a medium that's not been touched on much yet. Every time you hear theme park news, we both know um, that it's like, oh, yeah, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah, you know, um, ever. And B and you totally disagree on a lot of cases. We're like, no, sorry. Right, um, exactly. Because we have that experience working um, in the parks and, and kind of having a rough idea of the the things that, the very many pieces that go into um, ride design and, and their, their thinking going forward with how they're financially going to support themselves, but also um, artistically in a way so i that is my my first big idea my my first ambition going into the summer here is to start that podcast about theme park news and uh analysis essentially yeah so uh to all of our listeners who are into the theme parks or know somebody who are into theme park news about uh disney universal yeah, I don't know, Cedar Rapids. <laughs> yeah, you know, Cedar, like, Cedar Fair, um, China's blowing holiday up the world, theme park companies. All these, yeah, yeah, Holiday all, World. <laughs> all these small, you know, anything, uh, it'll be covered um, here soon. You And we will keep you updated and post that everywhere as soon as we, you know, get to get on that. Um, I, you do... Do you have an estimated time of arrival for that, Michael, or are you just wanting to do that sometime in the near future and we'll go from there? Um, in the near future, probably probably this month, the month of May. Um, we'll get working on it, if not published. Beautiful. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, and as you listeners know, I have been communicating with you guys on the podcast as well as posting pictures that we are working on a production right here in my home uh, it's but uh, it's a sitcom shy of mockumentary style and very looking forward to sharing that stuff with you right now we have completed the first episode in terms of shooting uh, and we are going to be doing the second episode this week um and I am willing to share the title of the sitcom at this point. I know big reveal here on the drum the, roll, the <laughs> mega huge pod of superness. Um, so yeah, the the drum roll is and the, <laughs> the drum. Ah, oh, thank you. Alright, so the title is going to be Going Great. Going Great is going to be the title of this production. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to you guys seeing it. It's going to be, I, I think it may be something special. I hope that you guys enjoy it. 
And yeah. Um, but, you know, it's not only just the Michael's theme park podcast and going in my going great production. Uh, we, we have other things we got planned, you know, and we, I, I'm not sure how much we're going to be sharing right now, but I mean, we're looking, I'm looking forward to for this summer in terms of what we will be bringing to the table, um, in terms mm-hmm. because we're going to be doing a lot of work, Michael. I know you're working on some very special, uh, major feature production going right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have a few other things up my sleeve, so I I can't wait to actually share with you guys what we what we will be doing during our hiatus here, when during the next fall probably I guess would be whenever a lot of our at least whenever my show will be put out michael will still be a a weekly presence probably or a bi-weekly mm-hmm. presence i'm not sure what you're wanting to do but <laughs> he'll <laughs> still he'll in the be works around. <laughs> <laughs> he'll be around if uh, you're into the theme park stuff we are just going to be doing a hiatus from this per- this show um and we'll occasionally pop back in you know we'll keep you updated but um uh, let's let's dive into the best since 95 brackets and finish it off. Sound good? It sounds good. Let's do oh, it. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, guys. So the first matchup we have in continuing our bracket here is Nightcrawler versus Slumdog Millionaire. Whoa. Whoa. Right out the gate. I don't know how we're going to agree on this. Um, <laughs> I don't know either. Jeez. Okay. Um, so I put... I'll just talk about Nightcrawler briefly. So I put it in here, you know, and I, I want to try to be brief with all these because yeah. we have a lot to get through. <laughs> um, I put it in here for the acting uh, from uh, Hall as well as the rest of the cast, even though Hall just destroys this performance um and also you know how beautiful i think it was shot beautifully i think the story was fantastic and very realistic and Mm -hmm. it's one of those movies that really stuck with me uh up until this point even so yeah i mean like i said unfortunately because of our hiatus we're gonna be doing these very briefly (laughs) And yeah. we're going, if we want to argue further on our cases, then we'll argue at that point. But Michael, go ahead if you want to talk about Slumdog or Nightcrawler. Yeah, um, Slumdog, I I know it's, it's I've said it before, it's, it's very different. Um, but it was presented to an American audience, and I think that, that the fact that it's, it held up um, in American culture and became very popular... Um, gives it a rightful place on a best of list. Um, and it's got a lot of actors in it that have gone on to do um, better work either in the U.S. or um, in its origin country in India, um, as well as the director who kind of got his, um, his recognition after a long career thanks to this movie. Um, but as far as... Nightcrawler, I agree, 100%. I mean, Hall at his best. Um, that was kind of a breakout movie of the year that p- 
people were surprised, um, very surprised by how much they enjoyed it. Right. Um. So, yeah. yeah. I didn't say anything about it, but I mean, you. I watched that movie here recently again. And my goodness, it it just holds up. It's such a good movie. Um, I, I I mean, there's not really much to say about it. Um, so, Michael, I'm gonna give you the first vote here. Ooh. Okay. Um. I'm gonna go with Slumdog Millionaire. Because yeah. it holds a special place in my heart. Definitely. Um. Well, I think that, you know, I think it's Gyllenhaal is best. I don't think that his performance alone, and I mean, and granted, again, I really enjoyed the story. I really liked it, I and I love Nightcrawler. I think that Slumdog's just a, far and away a better movie. Um, it, it's just, I don't know, beautifully done. The, it, it moves on. It is continuing on in the, the brackets. Sick, Here. bro. Sick, bro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Slumdog it is. So, are you good? Yeah. Okay. Sound like uh, some rustling around over there. Oh, it's just, just, just opening a notepad here. <laughs> just writing down my wins here. <laughs> yeah, you got you to create a hand-drawn bracket to make it a little bit easier. Fun fact, me and Gage have money on this. No. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so continuing, we have Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone versus Scream. Uh, uh. Um, <laughs> so I I'm gonna cast a solid vote right now. Right now? Right right at this moment. I'm gonna say Scream. I'm gonna stand by that because okay. um Outside of being my favorite horror movie of all time, I think it brought a lot of um, uniqueness to the genre, um, especially after a time that was so repetitive that people didn't even want to watch horror movies going into the 90s. I mean, talk about the most short-lived genre career um, ever. Uh, Horror was basically outrunning itself. Um, in in a span of 15 20 years um so that's why i i picked scream for for standing out like that but in opposition of harry potter and the sorcerer's stone i have to say um being in love with the movies and growing up with the books um i've finally been released from the spell that is harry potter um and this is this is thanks to the theme park stuff, um, <laughs> visiting visiting Universal's um, theme park experiences. It was not underwhelming, um, but it was different than expected. Um, and I I stepped back. I remember I went to Diagon Alley for the first time um, while we were on our program down there, and I stepped back and I remember my. Um, my friend wanted to watch all the Harry Potter straight through. And I said, okay. And I don't know if it was the fact that I'd seen them so many times, or maybe I was just like completely out of love with them at that point. Um, I fell asleep 
halfway through Sorcerer's Stone. And I was like, why? Why is it like so I it's I respect three and a half it. hours could be long. Yeah. Oh. Um, I, <laughs> I respect it for, for being what it is, but when I look back at not just Sorcerer's Stone but all the movies, I go, um I feel like there was a lot that Harry Potter like as as a series lost over time, you know? Yeah. Um so, before I cast my vote, I'm going to briefly talk about the movies. Um, so, Harry Potter, it, cre- it inspired us. It inspired us both. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this countless times. Um, and the world that J.K. Rowling created is it's incredible. Um, mm-hmm. I The only thing that I... See, Diagon Alley is my favorite part of the theme parks. And while I'm not including that in the discussion at all, because <laughs> I, I don't think, I think they are two separate entities entirely. Um, but uh, with going there, the only thing I didn't like was that freaking dragon. Like, why did we have to include the dragon? Why couldn't it have just been, you know? Oh, it's better than Disney's exploding one. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> um, but in terms of the movies, were they ever that great? Like, honestly, think about it, you know, like, were they ever truly great movies? They I were, great I don't, they're good because we, we wanted them to be great. Yeah. And like, whenever I was younger, I really, uh, I, whenever I was younger, I, you know, I loved them. I mean, I still love them. It's just they're not—they're not best since '95. You know, I think they like—I think that one belonged on this list because of how iconic they are. Mm-hmm. But in good conscience, I cannot let it continue. So yeah, I'm also voting for Scream, which, as you said, it, it completely rejuvenized a dying genre. It, it gave a new life. Mm-hmm. and saved a potential end of days for the horror genre, or at least a hiatus from them. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks, Scream. Because <laughs> of Scream, nowadays we have Get Out and The Quiet Place and <laughs> all these other really good movies yeah. that we would not have without it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so... Next up, we have Truman Show versus The Departed. Um, I'm going to actually cast my vote for here first, and I'm saying Truman Show without a doubt. <clears throat> I, I know. Hear me out. Mm-hmm. If, we, if this is where the coin flips start, this is where the coin flips start. <laughs> but, um, so Truman Show created a world within a world. You know? We, mm-hmm. we got to... Because imagine living that life. You know, uh, it's it's just the writing. Where and I I watched this New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. New Year's Day, I watched this on a on this Greyhound bus all the, from like Orlando to West Palm Beach. And I remember, and, and you know how bad that experience was for me. I know how bad any Greyhound bus experience <laughs> can be. So I. 
I, after I finished watching the movie, I texted you. I said, I, and I'm not going to quote myself here, but I think I said it was like one of the mo- some of the most incredible writing I've ever seen mm-hmm. put onto a screen, ever. Yeah. And that was me watching it 20 years almost since it's come out, or exactly 20 years maybe. Um, and, I mean, it's in Jim Carrey was phenomenal in it not only because Jim Carrey's a great comedic actor he like he is a just a great actor period his dramatic acting in this was incredible and I I I don't know I I think that if we're talking about test of time Truman Show is going to stick out to me probably for the rest of my life since in even though I just watched it here you know five months ago and, mm-hmm. But I haven't seen it at that point, and it's already 20 years old. It is a classic, period. Um, so Truman shows my vote, uh, but you can go ahead, Michael. Okay. Uh, I I agree with what you're saying about Truman Show, um, and it is weird. It's such a testament to um, uh, social media right now. Mm-hmm. that it's it's i think it's wild that it, it holds up like that um it holds up in a sense that you didn't realize it would hold up like back when it premiered we're just like oh yeah uh that's really weird that that guy's uh on a reality show and he doesn't know and now it's like that's not really that weird <laughs> no that <laughs> like could just, easily be happening yeah <laughs> like someone would actually try to do that these days and nobody would would care in the slightest um but just to touch on The Departed, um, I won't say groundbreaking. It's it's kind of a... It's Scorsese doing what he does best, which is the gangster film. Um, and I think The Departed delivers on a lot of fronts to a culture that um, is very unique in the United States. Um mm-hmm. And it, it had a huge cast and a huge following of people that were like, oh, yeah, like, that makes sense to us. Like, that that speaks a little to us. Um, so I think in that sense, it, it holds its ground. Um, it's The cast is fantastic. Everyone from Matt Damon to Leonardo DiCaprio to uh, Jack Nicholson, which I believe was one of the last movies he did. Um before he fell into some like crappy comedies and then disappeared off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gave a fantastic performance. Um, I, I just read, I don't know how I ran across a fun fact um, like two days ago. Um, there was apparently a time during filming that Jack Nicholson felt that Leonardo DiCaprio didn't or wasn't, um, afraid of him enough in scenes and so um jack nicholson brought in um basically like like beat the shit out of leonardo dicaprio at like gunpoint to try to scare him into the right role <laughs> and like nice. ap- yeah and apparently like that's like bits and pieces of that the, that shoot are still in the movie um post edit um which was really cool so that just i think that just 
plays into um, Jack Nicholson's career, you know, and how he, I mean, it was a very obvious stance on how he feels about, I mean, we think of Leo as this like crazy intense actor and for Jack Nicholson to come in and be like, no, 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 he ain't, he ain't nothing, you know? And he, he <laughs> basically harasses uh, Leonardo DiCaprio on set. He's like, you aren't a good actor. I'm a good actor. Um, so I think that film overall shows, to get to the point, it shows like this gap in Hollywood, this transition in Hollywood um, into a modern film um, from like old style with Scorsese directing and Jack Nicholson as the the or the antagonist, and then all these minor characters um, as protagonists. Um, so it holds up in a lot of um, analytical um, standpoints. But you already gave your vote, so yeah. So it's up to you. Um, I. W- I would like to say that Scorsese does have better movies out there. Um, on our list? Or just in general? Uh, well, I mean, he he had a few on our list. I'm not sure if they're still around or not. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I'm wondering right now. Like This this might be the decision to make. Um, uh, yeah. I, I could have swore he had like five on this list. Oh, yeah. He's got... I mean, but if... <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take your side on this. Yes. I'm going to say Truman <laughs> Show because I know, I know I've already screwed you on like three or four different movies. So <laughs> this will be, I'll give you this one. <laughs> you made a fine point. Well, there we go. <laughs> Truman Show moves on uh, to the next round. Um, and next up, we have the Battle of the Latino Culture. Um, Coco versus Pan's Labyrinth. Worst way you could introduce that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Coco versus Pan's Labyrinth. Um, Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, Coco. There's no arguing on it. Uh, Coco, I I love the movie. It's just too new. It is. It's, it's it's too new. It's too. I don't know. It it touches on culture, but. The way people are going about it, they're like, oh, it really touches on Latin American culture. And I'm like, first of all, no, it touches on Mexican culture, which is not entirely Latin American. Uh, Second of all, (laughs) it's so dang new and it's so Disney-fied that it's like, eh, like Disney has put out better movies and Latin America has put out better movies than Coco. So... There's Michael's hot take on Coco. <laughs> very, very aggressive take on Coco. Um, yeah, it's it. I, I'm voting for Pan's Labyrinth just because Coco is still far too new, and uh, it hasn't really. We haven't seen it age yet, so I want to see it age a bit more before I can say it's truly, you know, a you know a, an animated classic or anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I still love the movie though. It, it's still one of my favorite Pixar ones done to date. So. Um, oh, this has got to be a good one. <laughs> Go on. Whiplash versus Saving Private Ryan. <sighs> what you got? <laughs> Ooh, uh, <laughs> um, I can see subtly that my one of my picks on our list, uh, The Descendants, 
got crossed out. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like horribly upset by that. Like that was the one I was just trying so hard at. Um, but yeah, the Descendants was beat by Private Ryan. Yeah. Do you have a grudge against uh, Private Ryan due to that? I I might have a little uh, bias <laughs> against uh, Saving Private Ryan, but um, it's the movie you put in. <laughs> I know <laughs> all the movies I put in were paired together in our first round. Um, but I'll talk. Yeah, I'll talk about Saving Private Ryan. It's a Spielberg film. It's very nostalgic of um, the war. And also, um, I'm slowly over the last since we started this bracket, I've become more biased against uh, Spielberg, Spielberg as well. So <laughs> Saving Private Ryan does not have any uh, any outstanding um, points to it um, in my book. But it is overall like it's it's fantastic piece of cinematography and storytelling. Um, I think it paints a good picture of what. Um, maybe not what the war was like, but what people who were involved in the war and not involved in the war all felt like the war um, was like. And so it was, it's right on the cusp of our, our 95 bracket, but it still holds up today. They show parts of it. I mean, they show parts of it in history classes. Um, it's screened at, and I know there are like museums all over the world that, that screen this movie. Um, and every time you bring up World War II um, in film, this movie has to get mentioned because it is it's so well done um, and so well paced um, for a war movie. Um, yeah, definitely. And I will just say a couple words about Whiplash, um, and those are J.K. Simmons, Not My Tempo, Miles <laughs> Teller. <laughs> And, and all that jazz. Um, no, I mean, it, I, I keep coming back to the year 2014 or that, that Oscar year or whatever, uh-huh. it, where it was between Whiplash, Theory of Everything, Grand Budapest, Birdman, like... All great it, movies. So good. And I'm pretty sure Nightcrawler came out that year. Maybe it came out the yep. same year as Ex Machina, but it wasn't nominated for Best Picture. But, mm-hmm. like, that year... And I and it's sentimental to me, so that's why I, like oh, half the movies I put in were from that year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, honestly, it. I think you're the one that said that you didn't see like this, if this movie came out any other year, it would have won Best Picture. But because yeah. it came out the same year as Birdman, that's the only reason why it didn't. Uh-huh. And it's like. Too close the to call, in my opinion, on which one of them is a better movie. Yeah. Um, because, I, like you said, the more we go through this list, the more we realize, wow, Spielberg isn't what he once was. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm voting for Whiplash here. Um, I'm not sure what you're doing, but Whiplash is my vote. Um. I'm trying to think like Whiplash. It's it's weird. They both those movies both make me cringe in a different way though. <laughs> oh yeah, like, very different ways. The same Ryan Ryan's like oh blood and gore, and then Whiplash is like oh uh, J.K. Simmons <laughs> bloody uh, 
hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he got in that accident. Uh, mm, I. Sorry. It's going to be a flip of the coin. Oh, it's going to be a flip of the coin. Saving Private Ryan. Yes. All right, man. I will flip this coin. Oh, what are you God. calling? What are you calling? Uh, Tails. Tails. Okay. Tails it is. Saving Private Ryan moves on. Woo! Eh, I'm not too bitter about it. it is it's saving private ryan yeah it's a great movie i mean there it's just a great movie you know um so moving on to our next matchup here we have get out versus spider-man 2 sam raimi's spider-man 2 vastly different movies (laughs) vastly different movies (laughs) i'm i'm just gonna say well get out still so recent that's the problem yeah that's also um, my issue right now. And if you look at Spider-Man 2, yes, you have Tobey Maguire, which I still think Tobey Maguire was a fine Spider-Man uh, and Peter Parker or whatever. I, Tom Holland's the best one, period. And I don't I don't know how... And there's plenty of people that will deny that due to nostalgia or whatever. But um, I, like, I think all of the actors they've gotten are okay, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but you, the real person you look at here is Doc Ock, who, yeah. wow, who's what, his name, who's the actor, Alfred Molina, Molina, yeah, mm-hmm. he just showed up and slaughtered it, yeah, literally and figuratively, um, <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, he was great, um, and the story was really good, and you had, it was like you had multiple story arcs intertwining along the way before you got to the end. Yeah. So, so I really, I really liked that. Um, and you know, again, it's without these Spider-Man movies that we would, we wouldn't have the Marvels of today. You know, we mm-hmm. might have Dark Knight, but we might not. It's who knows. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. And but Get Out is just such a unique piece yeah i don't know Uh, i i have to say for get out it's just like i think it's it'd be for me it'd be wrong to go with get out so i'm gonna go with spider-man 2 but it'd be wrong to go with get out simply because i think it's it's got a little cultural bias right now like I'm aware of that issue. Yeah. And I've watched that issue that it touches on. And while I don't think it's something that I need to ignore, in this case right now, I'm saying let's age it a little bit and let's see how relevant it is going forward. It's already relevant, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's already like it, it, it has added to the situation of, um, of, of racial racial discrimination equality and discrimination yeah, in yeah. america I and mean, that's always um, going to be an issue i mean we're, we're yeah. not saying that it never will not be um i do think it came out last february um of 2017 mm-hmm. it's still so it's still a fairly it's still recent in our minds so mm-hmm. i don't 
I'm going to vote for Spider-Man 2, but honestly, like, I think Get Out may be, I think it may be the better movie. I just, I know that Spider-Man 2 holds up. Yeah, I think Spider-Man 2 holds up, and I, I, I am fully respected of putting, respected of putting Get Out ahead of it, but I just yeah. need to see it age right. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's like, I've seen Spider-Man 2 after repetitive viewings it's not like i haven't you know, you know what i mean so yeah i don't have that memory of it when i was seven and being like yeah i love that movie um i have you know we've both seen it re- more recently and we're like yeah yeah i like spider-man too it's, yeah it, you know it's sam raimi put out uh just a master class and they did that third one and mm, <laughs> yeah anyway <laughs> <laughs> moving on so we have Scott Pilgrim versus the world versus Little Miss Sunshine. Again, Ooh. very different movies. Very different movies. Um, geez. Which one holds a special place in my heart? I'm going with Scott Pilgrim, personally. Um, because, God, I just, I just love Edgar Wright. He's so good. He's very good. <laughs> he, yeah. he's, he has, like... And, you know, he's not for everybody. That That's a true statement. Yeah. You know, he's not for everyone. But I really dig his style and the way he writes his, his uh, productions. Um, and just, like, the aesthetic of it. Because Scott Pilgrim had... It, it could have easily, you know... Like, it came out before Suicide Squad. But it could have suffered from, like, ooh, look at all these flashy neon and all this other stuff you know what i mean mm-hmm. but he was very smart on how he created this video game comic book adaptation to a big screen um and i thought and i was like super confused i'm like okay so how come everybody's acting casual that this guy just got into this superhero <laughs> style fight and there's like beams flying around everywhere and there's superpowers and then like as i gathered information because you you get into it and like my when i first start the movie i don't assume that it's a video game or whatever mm-hmm. you know i just kind of assume like oh he's dating a high school chick that's wrong um <laughs> <laughs> but you know um i i i just I, i've already talked about it probably too much i i just really like the movie i think that its style is so unique and how Edgar Wright does his stuff. Mm-hmm. It 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 will stand out versus you know, Loma Sunshine. But go on. Disagree. Uh <laughs> <laughs> wrong incorrect. wrong age, wrong answer. Um I think Scott Pilgrim, I um had the chance to read the first um I guess the first volume of Scott Pilgrim uh, uh-huh. before I saw the movie. And I, I, I do 100% agree. I think it's Edgar Wright um, at his best. And I think it's a great visual adaptation of the comic. But when it, it comes off to me as more cult classic. Yeah, um, yeah, I can see what you in mean. In a lot of ways. Um, which is usually not my style. Um, no, it's, but... it's the opposite of Michael's style. Um, <laughs> uh, I like a few cult classics, but that's another, a subject for another day. Um, 
Little Miss Sunshine, maybe I'm being biased here, but it speaks to me on a lot of issues, and I think it touched more on um, what the what families were like in modern America as far as the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it kind of did for me what um, American Beauty did um, for the 90s, representing the 90s uh, family uh, culture. Okay. Um, and Little Miss Sunshine kind of took that and said, you know, this is this is the modern family structure and here's how we play on it with um, their issues. You know, mental illness was an issue. Um, achieving dreams is an issue. Um then you've got, you know, your grandparent level, your your parents, your uh, your kids. Uh, and it, it kind of draws them all together and it paints a really vivid picture for me of um, what family structure is and how film uh, adapts around it. Like you've got the iconic, like the yellow van. Um, yeah, the VW bus or whatever. The, the outfits, the the end scene just kills me every time. Um, so I'm gonna say Little Miss Sunshine. Okay. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I because I'm on the fence about this. I am willing to change my vote over to Little Miss Sunshine. <laughs> I know. I know. Developments are happening. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to change my vote over in Loma Sunshine, not only because I don't want to flip a coin, but because, <laughs> <laughs> but because I mean, it's you know, you look at it. The cast was amazing. The story was great. I, I'm I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay yeah. with that. It, it has on. an originality. Yeah. To yeah. it. Um. But, yeah. So the next one uh, is a whole lot of Oscar bait going on in this next cat- uh, this next Woo! matchup: The Wolf of Wall Street versus Black Swan. Okay, uh, <laughs> <laughs> gosh, both are very um, sexual movies. Um, <laughs> yeah, in very different senses. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going with Wolf of Wall Street. Um, I'm going to tell you right now I'm going with Black Swan. <laughs> you want to just flip the coin and move on with it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because uh, uh, I'm not well, on the fence about this at all. <laughs> I'll say Wolf of Wall Street is... We, we've got another Scorsese run here. Um, and I, I, again, I don't think it's his best on our list. Um, but Black Swan... Um, I think it like like cinematography wise. I think it's one of the best films that have come out since our our set ninety five. Um, yeah, yeah. Bracket, mm-hmm. and I think it, it paints a story that's very different from what we're used to seeing. And it's got you know it's got Natalie Portman and it's got Mila Kunis who came straight out of a a comedy career <laughs> to do this movie, yeah. and she did a fantastic job. And then she jumped right back into comedy again. Oh, um, well. Poor, <laughs> she's doing her. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm saying Black Swan. Let's just flip the coin and yeah. All right, what you call? You're calling tails. I'm calling tails. Damn it! 
<laughs> All right, fine. Black Swan moves on. Yes. <laughs> Got the switch coins up here soon. <laughs> A little weighted, isn't it? <laughs> okay, why are you not letting me mark out? Oh, what? Oh, there we go. Got it to work. <laughs> it wouldn't let me put a mark through Wolf of Wall Street. It, it knew. <laughs> oh, I just looked at the next one and I regret everything I just said. Yeah. All right. <laughs> the Dark Knight versus Shutter Island. Dark oh my Knight, God. Period. Point blank. Better movie. Dang it. <laughs> Shutter Island's so good. But Dark Knight is better. But Shutter Island's so good, Gage. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Listen. No. <laughs> I gave you Lona Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna cry. I know Dark Knight is is better on my list, but oh. <laughs> Shutter Island. Listen, I know, I know, man, but just watch that opening scene from of the heist from Dark Knight and you're it's it's over, you know? Like <laughs> oh, but Shutter Island is so beautiful. It's so Think, look at that <sighs> Chicago landscape in Dark Knight. Look at like how they use the city of Chicago for the movie. Why they choose, why they went to Pittsburgh in the next one is beyond me. But God, Chicago's the perfect Gotham. It is. All right. Dark, Dark Knight. Knight. And I, I, I need to give a reason. I need to give a reason. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You can uh, talk about it. Shutter Island... While I'm absolutely in love with the movie, and every time I watch it, I'm even more in love with it. Um, I'll say, in Dark Knight's defense, Shutter Island has a bit of a lull uh, mid-movie. Yeah. Um, because it's trying to set up a lot of premise for the end. Um, and Dark Knight, it never skips a beat never stops moving for a moment you know it really flows um well as far as um the style that no one was going for and it, it stands out everything from the joker to um two-face who is is one of my favorite movie villains of all time yeah and you know it's funny because a lot of people don't like two-face in dark knight and i just like I don't understand so that. so much to the story. He has so much character. I don't think that, like, there's a lull there, because a lot of people say that that's no. where the Dark Knight lull is. No. And I'm like, you know, wherever you think there's about to be a lull, like, during the scene where Bruce has the big gala up in his apartment or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, like, it immediately stops because Joker's there. Like, there's no lull. Joker's back. No. It's going down. And mm-hmm. whenever Harvey is talking to the Joker in the hospital, you would think, oh, well, they're just having a villainous conversation. Maybe there's a lull, but just the acting there. and Oh, it's so good. Like, And then he gives that scene at the end where he's, he's got um, Gordon's kid and he's yeah. talking about, like, uh, justice and, like, how it works. And it, it speaks a little more heavily towards society that I don't think... I think that's why people got cut off because Joker was just, like, uh, you know, all over the place, and then he was Two-Face pure comes chaos in. And he's, versus yeah. uh, Two Face, who has, who is a lawyer, who has a mind for the justice system and the judicial system. Yes, and Just, he has so much more of a motive um, that played into, I guess. Um, I don't know. It it just spoke. It felt very politically motivated in that scene, like culturally motivated, and I think that was more relatable um, 
in a in a longer sense than anything that Shutter Island had delivered upon its yeah. release. And that's the thing, you know. You look at Dark Knight, and I don't think Nolan's ever going to do a better movie than this one. No. Um, he he may try, but he I will don't try. Think, <laughs> <laughs> he will continue trying, and I love Nolan, but he, I mean. This movie didn't suffer from too many villains like there was a fear of, you know, whenever you see a movie that has more than one villain, it's like, what are we going to do? Yes. (laughs) I think it's the only movie that has properly. It's one of the only movies that have perfected and Batman seems to be the best opportunity for multi-villain crossovers. Yeah. He has that just gallery of villains and like, it doesn't always work. Look at. You know, Batman and Robin with Clooney and Bat nipples. You know, it does. It doesn't always work. Yeah, but then <laughs> but, it flows in like like the um, Batman Returns. I think Penguin and Catwoman. Yeah, were a and, perfect and, combination. And I, you know, and while this movie wasn't well received by any means, Batman Forever with Carrie as Riddler and uh, <laughs> Two Face at Tommy Lee Jones Two Face. Um, while those two actually hated each other, those two villains could easily work together. And yeah. I think I, w- I was always wanting to see Nolan do a Riddler, but he never did. But just Bane. whatever, <laughs> just Bane, which was good. But then they he brought in Catwoman and just messed right. me up too. Catwoman, much. he brought in the Al Ghouls back. That's yeah. where the two main villains thing got weird. Yeah, um, so Nolan is also guilty, but. Yes. Dark Knight is our pick. Beautiful. And that is his best work. So we have another hard one here. <laughs> oh. La La Land versus American Beauty. This needs to stop. <laughs> this needs to stop. It, see, you know, in the first round, we were all pretty straightforward. Like, oh, well, that could win, that can win, that can win. Yeah. Now it's starting to get, like, just the gut punches. <laughs> and it's here's hurting. The thing. La La Land is... Also a fairly frequent, uh, recent movie, I mean. It came out late 2016, only a couple months before Get Out. Yeah. And so, like, do we use the recency thing for La La Land as well? But I'm going to argue no in this case. It, I mean, because La La, La, La Land, Land is going to be my pick. Go on. <laughs> You're like, what? Um, I did not. I honestly expected you to go to American Beauty, so go on, yeah. Um, I... I've said it before on the podcast, and I've said it to you, Gage, a billion times. I do not go to the, to movies, the movies repeatedly. Once, yeah, I do not do that. I, I if unless I'm one. That's how I know I'm in love with a movie is if I go to the theater to see a movie a second or second time. I went to see La La Land five times in theaters, um, and it. Maybe I'm being biased because it. it um, I can relate to it more as a aspiring uh, artist, a, aspiring artist um, who's also been involved in romantic interests that have not played out well um, <laughs> in recent years. And I, it, it just touches me on, on so many points. And there's not a moment in that movie um, that doesn't feel reflective of how I'm going through my life. Um, into my early 20s um, and into a career Um, to just to touch on American Beauty it it totally stands out it was one of the first screenplays I read 
Yeah, um, Kevin Spacey's character is, uh, I think, one of the most fascinating characters that has American cinema yeah. has offered in the last couple decades. Um, and it touches like like um like I was saying for Little Miss Sunshine, it touches on um, that '90s family culture um, really well, and that that makes it stand out in an American sense. Um, in terms of like people's mindsets going forward, but La La Land just it's it's the movie for as 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 they say it's it's the film for lovers of film. Yeah, um, and I'm gonna talk about both of them before I get my vote. Mm-hmm. I'm a little eh. okay. So with American Beauty, it's I I saw that. I was just binge watching like Oscar winning movies mm-hmm. at, at at a point in my life. I watched that one. I'm like, wow, just really intricate storytelling, beautifully done, like woven perfectly. The acting, like Kevin Spacey, was phenomenal. Um, and I'm not saying that it's tarnished now that I know who he is, but. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sure can't get that out of my mind. Um, mm. But here's the thing. With La La Land, it holds, like you said, a very special place in in, in my heart. <laughs> um, Thanks, Leo. <laughs> I'm a U.S. Marshal. <laughs> U.S. Marshal. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think that I'm going to vote La La Land as well. Um, and, and I honestly, you know, I do consider the recency thing. But it's one of those movies that are, it's probably, like, it, instant, like, that's why I look at it I'm thinking instant classic. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, to the naysayers who say, like, oh, this musical with bad singing, it's not a musical. It's not meant to be a musical, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it, it is a musical, but it's not like... It's not know, meant to be a full-on musical. It's, it, it's, was just, it, it was something that would add character to the film. Exactly. It's in a way like, that was special to the director. We don't... Because, you know, there's different people I've talked to who say, oh, they can't sing and stuff like that. I'm like, but their characters aren't singers. And like, yeah. and you can use like most of the characters in any musical are not singers. Mm-hmm. Most of those musicals started on a stage, versus a, a film. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I I mean, I don't think that uh, singing in the rain. I don't think that they were you know actually singers in the movie. I understand the point, but you gotta look at the context. I think. Um, yeah. And it's not even like they were bad singers. That's what grinds my gears. It's not like they're bad. Like, I jam out to the La La Land soundtrack still to this day. Mm Because I love it. Um, I don't know. It's such such a simple story. It is so incredibly simplistic on... Mm -hmm. Like, if you look at it, it's just two... Like, one wants to be a jazz musician, jazz band, or jazz uh, club owner. The other mm-hmm. one wants to be an actress. And they tell that story in such a way that, I, I mean, 
shaken up right now thinking about it. I'm gonna have to watch this movie. Same, uh, I'm just thinking about that. <laughs> like I have it on DVD right over there. I'm just like, yeah. I'm looking at, at it. it right across the room right now. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be seeing you later. <laughs> okay, so what? Oh, that means that La La Land's gonna be against the Dark Knight. No, um, no. <laughs> let's move on. Let's not think about it right now. Oh man. <laughs> This is going to be the longest episode ever. Uh, <laughs> so we have Curse of the Black Pearl versus Return of the King. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a kick in the nads to you, Michael. I know that. Um, because you love both of these franchises. Yeah. If very, you very much. You know, or at least the trilogies. Like, I'll say trilogies. So much so that I willingly went to see Pirates of the Caribbean 4 and 5 and walked out saying... I'm not that disappointed. <laughs> exactly. Whenever I saw the That's movie, how much I love them. You you told me whenever I was on the phone. No, we were texting and you were like, oh, it wasn't that bad. I'm like, Michael, what what has this done to you? <laughs> it's like, it just, it's, it's one of those things. It's like Harry Potter, you know? You're just like, I love it so much that I can't. I, I can't say anything terrible about it. Except for them, like, on the first Jack run. Sparrow's character in, <laughs> in the fifth But I movie. still love Jack Sparrow. Anyway, so let's focus on Curse of the Black Pearl and then Return of the King yeah. as individual movies. We don't have mm-hmm. to necessarily include the other ones in the overarching mm-hmm. story. Um, I don't... Yeah, you, okay, so, as I stated whenever we last talked about Lord of the Rings, I don't really care for them. It's not that I don't. It's not. It, they just don't. I don't have the. I don't feel the same impact that a lot of people feel for them. I don't. Yeah. I'm not as invested in them. Um, and so for that reason, I'm gonna vote for Curse of the Black Pearl because I actually am invested in that movie, um, and more so in the for in the first three movies, I guess I should say. Um, but mm-hmm. again, we're focusing on the sing- singular movie here. Um, I I know this is probably gonna be a coin flip. I, I, I feel that coming, but um, I I think that Curse of Black Pearl just did so much right in terms of like a big adventure film. And I was just telling you the other day, there's not really good like adventure films. If you look at like the Indiana Jones movies or like, in this case, the Pirates or, or even Lord of the Rings, you know, mm-hmm. so um, I think in that in that regard, it stands out. For me, at least in my eyes, but you go on. Okay, um, so Lord of the Rings, I I love because it's a it's something that people had desired for so long. I mean, we're talking about books that came out in like uh, eighty years long, ago, 90? yeah, like a long <laughs> time ago, and people were like, "When is it gonna happen?" And it finally happened, and and you know, the first movie came out, and people were in love, and the second movie came out. And it got such good reviews that they're like, you know what? We can't just let it go. And they gave us Return of the King, which um, stand out, stands out to me as probably the best fantasy movie. Um, if we're talking like budget and visuals and story um, to come out. I mean, I'm not saying anybody could not beat it, but there's, you know, there's a lot of because it has that history, there's a lot of draw to it. Um, that I really respect, um, and I think that's why it's stood out. Um, but as far as Pirates of the Caribbean, it's something that uh, was not, um, 
I guess like it wasn't called upon. Like nobody was like people were going like, oh, people they're gonna make a Pirates looking. of the Caribbean movie and going like, yeah, that sounds awesome. But nobody was like, I need this. Yeah, nobody right was now. like, oh, look, look at that Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Let's get Johnny Depp <laughs> <laughs> to star in a movie about pirates. That has um, nothing to do with the actual ride. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely nothing to do with the ride. Um, Which is why it worked, in my opinion. Yes, <laughs> um, and I, it's I, eh, Haunted Mansion did the same thing, but um, <laughs> I Pirates of the Caribbean it became such a phenomenon, and um, it in. From what I've heard, it completely re-envisioned a genre that had totally disappeared, which was pirate movies, um, which had fallen out of place like by the early 50s. Like Nobody cared about pirate movies anymore. They, I don't think they've made many good... I mean, <laughs> to say that The Muppets Treasure Island is Beautiful up there movie. on pirates movie it's, it's <laughs> but the, to say like that is one of the better pirate movies that have come out since the 50s i mean was just mind-blowing for people to think about like you're like oh the muppets those muppets yeah um so i'll cast my vote here and, and gauge i think you're gonna be pleased because i'm gonna say pirates of the caribbean wow while it's not my favorite Pirates of the Caribbean, I, I can't deny that it is a fantastic movie. And I think it it beat out Lord of the Rings in terms of, like, It's surprise. a cinema value, isn't it? Yeah. It was just <laughs> such a... It's, it's such a big surprise, you know, looking back. Like, you would... Nobody ever expected Pirates of the Caribbean to explode like it did. Yeah. Um, even Disney was like, like I think Johnny Depp's all we got, but then like everything else just went along with it. So let's make. I give it all movies. that. For, <laughs> I, yeah, like let's count that out. But um, I give it credit. The first one, definitely. Okay. Um, well, cool. I didn't expect that, but uh, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. So the next one is Grand Budapest Hotel versus Utopia. Um. Now, I think this is going to be a little bit more obvious on which way we are both going to vote. I will I say... I hope so, Gage. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm voting for Zootopia. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, so, you voted uh, out... The so You guys voted out the social network. Which I am still very, <laughs> very salty about. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately after we were off the phone with... Whenever I was off the phone with both of you guys and we were done recording, you'd send me a text like, I cannot believe you guys. <laughs> I, I was like, this this shook me for days, <laughs> this this decision to pick Zootopia over the social network. Well, <sighs> I mean, either way, I, I, like, it didn't matter which one was going to move forward. I was voting for Grand Budapest anyway. Um, I would have fought for social network, but <laughs> you lucked uh, into this one. <laughs> No, I mean, Zootopia does, it. there's a lot of social commentary. It has a lot of really, it's one of Disney's best original works mm-hmm. in the past two decades. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think that's what inevitably made me choose it. Um, but I mean, on, yeah, I, I know. I agree. <laughs> um, but yeah, Budapest is going to move forward because 
Wes Anderson at his very best, making a completely unique original concept movie. <sighs> a beautiful movie. Just in the cast, so good. The lobby boy ends up becoming a, the lobby boy is in a Spider-Man Homecoming. You know, yeah. there's that. Which I didn't know until just the other day. I was looking, I was like, oh my god, it's Flash <laughs> <Really>? Thompson. <laughs> I mean, that's totally irrelevant, but no, I mean, Grand Budapest is a phenomenal movie. Again, it's that same year that we keep talking about, of 2014. Yeah. Um, and, it, I mean, it, it's the first movie I ever saw to paint um, a, a complete purple and pink palette. Yeah. And I've never talked about that, but, like, like Anderson has balls for doing that. I mean, who in their right mind would go... I know exactly what colors I want for my movie purple about a hotel <laughs> in Budapest, <laughs> pink and purple. <laughs> Everyone's like, whoa, Wes, I'm going to need you to take a step back there. And Wes goes, no, this is the movie. And it works. It works so well. Well, so uh, not much more to say about that. Zootopia died. <laughs> Justly. It- <laughs> so better. All right. So that is we are we're moving right along here guys. We are going Woo. back to the top and it is <laughs> it's, it's City time. of God versus Deadpool. <laughs> oh my god. City You're... of God versus Deadpool. I what what do you have to say? <laughs> I have to say uh we're we're talking best of since 95 and yeah. And Deadpool stands out for me definitely. Um, and this, I'm not going with a recent factor here. I just think that if I'm talking superhero movies and what they can bring to the table, I 100% would take Deadpool's side. But right now I'm taking into account that there are other comedies. You know, there are, there are better there's, comedies. There there's are better comedies there's and better similar comedies yes, in this list. That, ha- that pop out. Um yeah, and I, I'm on the same page with you. Uh, mm-hmm. We still have like Spider-Man Two and the Dark Knight. I think one of those is better than Deadpool. Um, and we have Truman Show. We have uh, what other comedy? We have I mean Scream. You can include as a comedy. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Grand Budapest, obviously. Yeah. So I in the in the wide view, I, I, and we both. We both went on and on about how much we love Deadpool in previous episodes. Yes. I'm voting for City of God just because it's hard not to in, in this matchup. Mm-hmm. Are you also voting for City of God? Oh, yes. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was obvious, but I want to get that confirmation <laughs> yes, on the sorry. record. <laughs> yes, City of God is my vote. All right. So City of God moves on, and now it's Inside Loon Davis versus X Machina. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where do we start with Inside Lewin Davis versus City of God? Oh, geez. No, not City of God. Ex Machina. My bad. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know where to start. Um, so Inside Lewin, they both star Oscar our Isaac. favorite, Oscar Isaac. Um, I don't know. Ex Machina, it, it's such a great addition to like science fiction films yeah in the last decade or Definitely. so um but inside lewin davis it is 
it's the film. It is. The it's film. my baby. Um, it is my child. Um, I don't know. I I think I'm gonna go with. I'll cast my vote. Okay, I'll yeah, say go ahead. Inside Lewin Davis, uh, cool. because it speaks to me visually. It's very much my style. Um, but also, I think that it's one of those hidden gems. Um, I think Ex Machina is going to stand out in the future um, when we talk about great science fiction movies that many people don't know. But I think Inside Lewin Davis is going to stand out even more as like just just a film like like a film you have to see in your twenties. It it feels very reminiscent of like what people have always at least told me and I think a lot of people hear about um the great Gatsby not the movie but the book okay um I was told I I read it in high school and I was always told read it again in your 20s and you will 100% understand this book and I feel like Inside Lewin Davis was one of those movies that like you'll really understand if you watch in your 20s um and it, it, it'll, like, connect with a lot of people. Well, I will also be voting for Inside Lewin Davis. Um, so, I mean, not much more to say about it. I feel like we've talked more about Inside Lewin Davis than any other movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. There's that. Um, next. <laughs> next up, we got Slumdog Millionaire versus Scream. Oh God! <laughs> uh, sorry, that was way too that was dramatic uh, of a reaction. <laughs> yeah, that was something, bud. I was just scared. I was thinking of scream. Um, um, yeah, you you vote first. <laughs> I am gonna go. I'm gonna play on the the American in me, and I'm gonna say scream. Really. What is happening? Uh, <laughs> Who is this Michael that is on the telly? I right know. Now? <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking either. Um, it just it stands out. Like Slumdog definitely stands out as a huge like phenomenon. But like I can feel, I can feel it slowly draining from memory. Um, in terms of best of since '95 and, and Scream is much older and it seems to stand out still like there's not like like you still go to a halloween store every year and you still see a scream mask or you still hear people you know talk about you know uncanny film techniques um when it comes to to the horror genre it just it, it lives on in a in a genre sense more than slumdog lives on in um in a, in a production sort of way um okay <laughs> now you're like wait <laughs> what do i do <laughs> god i i mean i Sorry. definitely feel what you you're saying mm-hmm. it doesn't help that i saw slim dog more recently so um jeez, you're right though i'll, I'll say scream i'll say scream because it transcends horror genre. We talk yeah. about how it saved the horror genre, but it also transcends that genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a completely different entity. Now, this is a very much 
we at this point i'm not sure how much credibility we have (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're just throwing things out here so Um. but you know i'm okay with screen moving to the elite eight see now we have the truman show versus pan's labyrinth i don't know if we're gonna coin flip here but i'm voting for the truman show um because I have let Guillermo del Toro make it this far in this bracket, and I refuse <laughs> to let him move on any further. He's right, a without nice looking guy. it up, without looking up, I want you to name the director of the Truman Show. Um. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh wait, I know this. Oh, because I looked it up the other day. What was it? God. This is really awkward silence. I'm trying to like fill in that <laughs> awkward silence with uh, like just me talking. Um, gosh, it's, it's Peter something. It's Peter something. Um, it, uh, it, I, I just know his first name's Peter. I don't know his is last it Peter name. Peter Weir? Yes, Peter Weir. There we go. Ha. Kind of knew it. Ha. I, I said it for you. <laughs> Well, I said Peter. I mean, oh, I, I, I said his last name. I understand that's kind of a basic name, but <laughs> uh, well, my vote's going to Pan's Labyrinth. Well, I'm so. going for Truman Show. Let's just flip the coin and call it a day. Yes, because Guillermo is—he's special. He's a nice guy. He's a great filmmaker. He. He Being nice doesn't to, win competitions. He's he caters to a fantasy, a dark it's fantasy heads. element that ah, uh, <laughs> call any. Well, you you go with tails every time, so I just kind That's of assume. <laughs> Truman right. Show moves on. All right, take it. We'll see but how can, Truman lives up uh, against Scream. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll I, fight oh, for oh, that no, one. no, no, I'm moving on. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we have Saving Private Ryan versus Spider-Man 2. Okay. Uh, <laughs> there's a, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, there's a better superhero movie in this list. Um, so I'm going to go with Saving Private Ryan as well. Not much of a discussion here. Um, honestly, Spider-Man, yeah, Spider-Man probably could have been voted out earlier. If you, yeah. It just it just, just had like the right Zootopia. matchups. Yeah. You know, but it just had the right <laughs> matchups the where it was like superior movie. All right, so now you got the two Michael votes here. Little Miss Sunshine versus Black Swan. Uh, I'm just um, breezing through this last I thought this was gonna be harder competition later on, but uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what the heck? Um I have to go with Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely. Because, um, like, for reasons I said before, um, and against Black Swan, it just... Um, I don't know. Like, I don't feel like Little Miss Sunshine is going to last. But I, I don't feel like Black Swan has... has I don't think Black Swan has the decade lasted. either. I don't um, think... Yeah. I don't think Black Swan is still talked about, except for the, you know... You know, there's just a couple scenes from Black yeah. Swan that's... But, like, I don't think that it's really shined since its release, what, in 2006, 8, something yeah. like that? Yeah, and I feel like um, Aronofsky's work 
more recently with Mother, um, <laughs> has blown Black Swan's cringe out of the water. Yeah, definitely the cringe. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that's what they have going for with them. Um, so yeah, I I think Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, I'm much I'm more down to earth, much more relatable in a lot of senses. I'm gonna go with that as well. Definitely agree. Um, so now we're gonna we're gonna talk for a while on this next one. It's the Dark Knight versus La La Land. Uh, I I don't want to think about this one. I I don't either. But we have to. No. We have to do it. I know. These are my two favorite movies on this list, probably. Like in Same. Total, in totality. Yeah. Um Jesus. Do you want to start or should I? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll give it a try. Because it's um, like we're, it's like putting our two favorite kids up against each other. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, the Dark Knight it, it's like it's the best like uh superhero um i guess i'd call it a noir film um it's definitely out there as far as um crime films in the last couple decades um outside of anything scorsese's made uh and it stands out like like the characters stand out so much even like christian bale as batman who who didn't get a lot of um good criticism um in the forefront he he did an outstanding job um breathing life into that character who's i mean he's he's a cartoon or a comic book character you know yeah that's what batman is and to like completely redefine what you can do with a comic book um as nolan did with the dark knight is something to say about um what you can do with film. And in terms of La La Land, I've already spoken my points on this. It, <laughs> it just, it, I'm so biased when it comes to La La Land because I, I want to cry every time I think of that movie. Um, because it just, it's so rich with, with moments that you can, you can relate to and um moments that are very dreamlike also like the, i mean not just the the actual dream sequences like the end dance and the um the observatory but the whole film feels very dreamy and um the the movie just for me and i think with a lot of other people it just like it pulls you in it like drags you in from from the moment, very beginning. yeah, the moment that yeah. you hear the da 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 Yes, da, da. and it keeps you on a high the whole movie. No matter like how, no matter how low the movie gets, you're just like, yes, yes. Um, okay, so we have two very different movies. One very much plays on the, I mean, they both play on aesthetic, I think, but yeah, and like the cinematography in both of them are uh, stunning. Mm-hmm. But whenever you think of uh, like Batman, you don't think of like emotional impact. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, whereas La La Land, that's all you think about is the emotional impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Batman, you think of the action, which La La Land obviously didn't have action, or at least that sense of it, of the yeah. term. What they both did have were in- 
incredibly told stories and well-defined characters. Um, and as a writer, that's what we look for, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. what we love. Um, and they did have Batman more so than La La Land. They didn't have a great bevy of characters. You know what I mean? It's not like you yeah. have it, you, in Batman, you had essentially, you know, you had Bruce Wayne slash Batman, the Joker, and Harvey Dent. Those are the three main people you're dealing with there. I mean, you can include mm-hmm. Gordon, you can include Rachel, and you can... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it's it, it's essentially those three. You look at La La Land, it's essentially just Sebastian and uh, Mia, but yeah. you can include John Legend's character. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could include the, the family members that show up once and never are seen again. I don't know. <laughs> J.K. Simmons again. <laughs> J.K. Simmons again, yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's just like, I, I'm trying to like, I, and I don't want to be critical of either one of these movies. I want to make that perfectly clear before I start getting critical of these movies. Yeah. I do not want to do this. <laughs> it, it has come to the point where my favorites are up against each other. I have to be critical. Yes. You, it's so time. You, we, we've been waiting on this for this is the this is gonna at be least, the most intense battle of any of them. I can guarantee at least it. a year and a half for La La Land, and yeah. I've been holding it in for ten years for Dark Knight. It is time. This it could probably time. be a separate podcast if we need. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So with, I'm gonna start with La La Land. Mm-hmm. The thing that pissed me off the most about this movie is that it introduced all these characters, but I didn't need to care about them, which is also a good thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it felt like they were just there to sing and dance. It, they didn't really have so much of a character. Like if you think of her roommates in the song where they're talking about uh, the, someone in the crowd, they, they kind of define their characters in that song, but that's all you see of them ever, mm-hmm. except for the next scene where he picks her up and there's the honk. And one of them says, yes, you gotta do that every time. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like, they weren't important. He, Sebastian has a sister who just disappears five minutes into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. What? Um, and it's like a character we're not going to see again, J.K. Simmons, which we don't really need to see him again. He just was in there because him, <laughs> I'm pretty sure him and Damien Chazelle are just tight bros. But um, mm-hmm. you, and, and again, I'm cool with that because I don't want there to be a, great abundance of characters i only want to care about the couple of them but i mean if you're introducing these people as i guess but then you think about it's like how many of your roommates do you really remember oh my gosh oh my gosh okay (laughs) (laughs) darn him um no (laughs) and you know he why did you not just talk to mia and say because that's what I would have done if I heard, like, Mia say, oh, you, you know, if her conversation with her mom from the other room. You know what I mean? Like, if I heard that conversation, I would probably, after the conversation was over, say something. I'm a different kind of person than Sebastian, but come on. What, would you not say something if you overheard someone talking about you being a bum? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean... I'm just saying, maybe solve your issues. We'll have had that happily ever after scene in the end of it. And 
darn them for giving me that happily ever after scene because it should it basically kills anything like you know those youtube channels you got the cinema sins you got how it should have ended all that other stuff it killed them right there because this is how it should have ended (laughs) they're like this is how it could have gone and it didn't so Mm -hmm. it killed them right away um but i man so i'm i'm being i'm trying to be as critical as i can be but you go over to the dark knight and and i'm ranting here and i apologize but you good. you there are like there's no lulls. I don't think there is. I, I love all the, the those main characters. Um, I think, like, I, I don't understand Gordon so much. I really, like, I love, you know, uh, Gary Oldman as Gordon, but his character just kind of is there. He's like the ex machina of the group, I feel like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. I don't understand how, like, I, I still don't entirely understand how he went from fake death to undercover and all that other it just kind of happened (laughs) and so you know and then he got promoted because everybody died i'm like okay (laughs) are we i understand you want that feel-good moment where he's not detective or captain gordon he's commissioner gordon Mm -hmm. but and you get that shot of the joker just doing his clap of heath ledger's iconic clap Mm -hmm. for gordon um which you can't say anything bad about the acting in this movie. I don't think it's just a few story beats in each one of them. And the few of the choices that the directors made and the writers made, um, which I'm pretty sure they're one in the same on both ends of it, but, (laughs) (laughs) uh, how like the choices that they made, um, for the movies. Mm -hmm. It's just, I'm not saying that these movies are flawless by any means, but it's, it's, it's very difficult for, these movies to be up against one another because in my eyes they are the movies i aspire to make each of them in different ways michael it is your you have the floor (laughs) angry uh yeah my my urge to just argue your point is stronger than me trying to find a critical way to analyze things um, well, go ahead. Argue the point. We need. <laughs> I know. No, I. Um, well, cinema fray is literally us. It the definition of the term that we created is us arguing over movies. So. Fair enough. Okay. So, contrary to so you're saying La La Land, you know why they give us all these minor characters, and I think that's the genius of La La Land, um, in saying because I am in love with as we all know, movies that are very realistic. Yeah. Um, more commonplace uh, in terms of, like, how life actually works as opposed to, oh, like, here's some Hollywood magic and this is how it's going to be, um, which is why I'm, you know, super into indie films and festivals and because that's the kind of stuff that they like to showcase. Um, and La La Land was the, the first movie that I could go to the theater in and, and wide release and I could say... Like, everyone's seeing what I'm seeing now. Like, everyone is relating. Um, and back to the characters, it it functions just like real life, I think, in that um, not only does it give you snippets, like the sister is only in the first five minutes, and then the roommates really don't have much to do with the story. And then the mom on the phone is like, oh, he's a bum. Um, when are you going to leave him? Um, it's moments like that in real life that change your whole way of living. Like, like I don't need to know 
uh, how the roommates are all involved in her relationship because the, the minimal amount that they give between going to the party and then uh, saying what the heck's up with him when he's honking the horn outside their, their apartment, like that's enough of a significant moment in her life um, in, in the characters' lives to reflect on and say like, oh, that, that bit changed my life in this way. Um, so that's my case for La La Land in, in, in argument of, of your point. But well, I well think... and that's the thing. I said immediately after I was done ex- explaining the like <laughs> yeah. roommates, I'm like, who really remembers all their roommates? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like I, I countered my own point, setting up your po- counterpoint. <laughs> it's like it's like our program. Like uh, we were we were living together at Disney, and it's like. I can remember a lot of nonsense that we happened, did, yeah. but it only stands out in my mind, you know, the moments that I was like, oh God, do I want to work here still because of these guys? <laughs> <laughs> or do I, you know, in a good way and a bad way sometimes. Um, so I think La La Land has that going for it, but I, I am amazed I'm playing this card. I think that... While La La Land has got all the criticism it's deserved, and it, it's already aged way, like, not aged in a bad way, but aged way faster than most films that have come out since 2016, um, if any, um, I don't think many stand out from La La Land. Um, right. So if I, if I have to play that card and say it's recent, um, but I'll counter it by saying it's it's really stood out and um, made a difference in terms of like cultural sense, um, not like a direct cultural sense, but just people are aware of it. And uh, I think filmmakers are extremely aware of it now, like what, what film can become um, if you let it. Uh, And to go to the dark Knight, mm, there's, I, know. I think the, I mean, I know. the whole movie, it just, it like, it ties off so well. Like, it, it's so well written and so well put together. I think if I had to make some wild argument, I'd say I wish I had gotten um, even more out of all the characters. Yeah, um, but that's the thing. How much more could you really have gotten? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like you think about it and, like, I got everything I needed from it, but, like, that movie creates such a craving for more especially like yeah and then especially (laughs) you know heath leather ledger um passes away um like right before the film releases and it's just like and then you see his performance and you go i want more and i you you literally cannot get more out of a performance like that anymore i mean unfortunately um, and the same can be said, um, you know, Christian Bale essentially moved on after Dark Knight Rises and Nolan kind of, you know, was forced into a lot of different choices. Um, I mean, he had the executive the produce, he, he was, he was on the team that executive produced the, 
oh, the Man of Steel movie, but it was literally just so that way they could connect. Like, they're like, hey, yes. he's in it, but he's not real. Like, Nolan had yeah. nothing to do with that movie. Yeah. Um, and that's that's where I fought with Dark Knight. I think Dark Knight, like, <laughs> it, it stands up since Best of 95, but I think it's... It's made a monster of some things going forward, too. Um, okay. Like, Nolan's career feels very... It was too <laughs> it's, good. It's like he hit, yes, it was too good. It's like he hit a peak, and then he was just like... I'm not saying any like, I'm in love with Interstellar. Um, Dunkirk, meh. Um, but Inception <laughs> came out right after Dark Knight, two years after Dark Knight, and that was fantastic. Um... But other than that, I mean, I I don't know how we're oh, gonna. What vote. more can I say? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I just can't we just put them both forward? So yeah, I wish we could just like delete one of the other ones, <laughs> but then we're just gonna, eliminate. <laughs> like, but <laughs> they they would have to go up against each other one way or the other. Yeah, um, can we just end the bracket here and say Dark Knight versus? <laughs> there is no true winner. <laughs> See, that's the thing. It's like we're saying this out to where no matter who wins here, they're going to go on to the win, the finals. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you look at the other movies that are still here. We have City of God. <coughs> Excuse me. City of God, Inside <laughs> Davis. Yeah. Scream, Truman Show. That's a little bit of a weaker bracket. Um, mm-hmm. Saving Private Ryan, Loma Sunshine. And now we're sitting here arguing over in the Elite Eight. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> ugh. Um Maybe that? we should just flip a coin. Which one's head and which one's tails? I'm gonna say Dark Knight's heads and Lana Land is tails. <laughs> oh man, this hurts. I. <laughs> I mean, can I? You know what? I'm gonna do something wild and I'm gonna cast a vote. Okay. Um, and it hurts me to say it oh so God. much. I'm going to go with Dark Knight. Um, because it's just it. I think it it just stands out more, you know, at this time. Okay. Since you you voted, now I have to vote. <laughs> yeah, dick. <laughs> I had to. It's just I had to. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm I'm going to use time here, and I'm going to say Dark Knight, just because it's been around for 10 years now. Mm-hmm. I, and, like, La La Land's been around for almost two. But I'm going with Dark Knight due to the time. And, Jesus, this is... You know, it's, it's not my best argument. <laughs> no, I mean, no, it's not. And the, At this point, we are just... Picking because we can't keep doing this. We've spent mm-hmm. a lot of time just on this matchup, <laughs> even though now we know pretty much who's going to win. But maybe we'll change our minds. Probably not. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's just move on. Dark Knight moves on into the final four. Mm-hmm. Now we have Curse of the Black Pearl versus Grand Budapest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll 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 stand by what I said about Pirates of the Caribbean, but Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, to give it more, I think 
Wes Anderson doesn't have as much representation on this. I know I, I didn't pick like like Darjeeling Limited is one of my favorites, but um, there are a lot of others in his repertoire that have um, such like they're they're just so well done. Um, and I think Grand Budapest Hotel was like this accumulation of all his like best moments in filmmaking into mm-hmm. one and you know he's he's earned the respect of um a lot of um actors as well as filmmakers um and and crew workers in hollywood um that everyone jumped into this project and it, it was like it's one of those movies that comes out as not as much of a struggle as it as it could have been um as opposed to Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean has Disney backing it, and they're all in. You know, when when they come up with an idea, Grand Budapest Hotel is like, we're just gonna do it and hope it works, and and that's how Wes Anderson seems to do his work. You know, he just he's has that support um, that he's built over the years, um, so it's more of like an earned film. Um, in in what I'm thinking. It's just more of an earned as far as like where it is, especially in a best of. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to be voting for grand Budapest because I, I mean, you hit most of like the nails on the head. Yeah. I just think it was a better made movie. (laughs) Um, then person black pearl. Um, and again, at this point, we've killed off every other movie from that year. One of them's living on. I'm surprised it's this one, to be honest with you, but one of them's living. I agree. <laughs> That's weird. Um, mm. Oh, so now we are at... Is this the Elite Eight, or is this the Final Four? Elite Eight. The Elite Eight? La La Land oh, fell in the Sweet 16. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. City of God versus Inside Lewin Davis. I'm going Inside Lewin Davis. I am also going Inside Lewin Davis. Cool. <laughs> um, that just it just makes sense. Yeah. Uh yeah. I, I quick and easy. Um. <laughs> so next up, we have Scream versus The Truman Show. Are we flipping a coin? No. Um, mm. I'm going with Truman because I overall it's a better made movie. I'm gonna agree with Truman. Um, I think it it brings a lot more to the table than, I mean, contrary to what I was saying before, you know, Scream is very genre specific, and I'll use that argument. It's very like innovative on the genre, but I feel like Truman Show has a lot of effects. Um. In a lot of other forms of, of filmmaking, um, production and, you know, critical review. Right. Um, okay. Next up, we have Loma Sunshine versus Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> I'm going with Loma Sunshine. Interesting. Okay. Um, like, like I, my initial reaction was like, same Private Ryan, but then I'm, I'm like, ah, uh, like. Yeah, but think it, about it. You didn't want Saving Private Ryan to make it out of the first round. <laughs> well, I don't even, what was it up against? Descendants. <laughs> oh my God, that's right. 
I have to kill it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I must be reasonable though before I kill it. You know, uh, I'm I'm like a good villain. I have to have a motive. And then you uh, must uh, monologue your motive to the yes, hero. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> followed by an evil laugh. Uh, I yeah, I'm gonna go with Little Miss Sunshine too. Um, and I've uh, you know said it for every other movie. It just brings a lot to the table. Saving Private Ryan is so specific in what it is, um, whereas Little Miss Sunshine has more of a range of relatability um and visual in terms of film it's very simple but um it brings in a lot of um points of interest that i think people like will have appreciated over time um whereas saving private ryan is i don't think it's starting to age but i think more you know we've seen war movies adapt so much since world war ii itself you know it if you follow I, I guess i'm going on a little tangent here um but war movies follow have like like progressed in a weird way like world war one movies have always been um very critical of you know how the old world used to work before 20th century innovation um, and then you got to World War II, and everything's very heroic, and, it, like, people are almost praising the war. Um, it's very hard to find, outside of a, maybe a Holocaust film, um, anything that discourages World War II and, and a lot of behavior that was very violent and, and unnecessary um, out, outside of Germany or um, the U.S. or anything. Uh, and then it goes, you get to Vietnam, and it's very against war. Um, and then finally you get to, in an American sense, you get to the Middle Eastern um, conflicts, and it gets extremely personal. Like, it's, it's, it's very focused on um, individuals as opposed to heroism, and um, it's almost like cynical of heroism in that sense so for saving private ryan to come up in the middle of all this um basically that cross between vietnam and um middle eastern affairs um it stood out as something that was like a a, a diamond in the rough kind of thing it's just like oh you know i forgot how great world war ii is but world <laughs> war ii wasn't great like, that's what that movie says to me in every sense. Is this, wasn't World War II so amazing? Like, no. World War II was awful. It I don't know who would want to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what that movie says to me. And that's, like, if I can't go on any longer saying Saving Private Ryan is fantastic outside of a cinematography sense and a, and a storytelling sense. Because, like, in retrospect, it just it glorifies World War II in a number of ways. Um that I think I've grown up in a culture that's, especially since 1995, I've grown up a culture that's very against war. Um, war. Even though it's still, well, I I feel it's very, very unnecessary. But getting too political now, um, I'll just leave it at that. I think Little Miss Sunshine touches on more personal and relatable topics. 
Okay. Yeah. So Little Miss Sunshine moves on. Uh, now it's Dark Knight versus Grand Budapest. Dark Knight. I would hope after the argument we just. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, Dark Knight. Uh. <laughs> now, now I will say that uh, Grand Budapest. Fantastic! You know, we we talked a yeah. lot about that movie, and it's really just the luck of the draw whenever it comes to these brackets, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. They made it far, but Dark Knight, Dark blah, 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 blah. Uh, Dark Knight made it further. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Inside Lewin Davis versus The Truman Show. Mm-hmm. Here I'm we gonna, go. <laughs> I'm gonna argue for Inside Lewin Davis. Okay. Um, because like I was saying before, it feels very Gatsby-esque to me. Um, in a sense that it's like, like Truman Show, you can relate to. You you can very loosely relate to social media and culture right now. Um, but I think Inside Lewin Davis has more. If we're talking about film now, and I know I like stray away from film, you know, cinematography and visual and all that when it comes down to a lot of these arguments. But I think Inside Lewin Davis has much more of a grasp on its aesthetic choices than Truman Show. Truman Show feels very 90s to me, like it's running off of uh, that era of filmmaking where everything was very uh it's like the color palette is so dry it's very whites and blues and and yellows and um it just it it feels like it's aging you know even though the story's not aging the the visuals seem to be aging um in a very like physical sense whereas inside lewin davis i think yes it's like part of a newer um class of cinematography in the last decade that's like grown and evolved but i think it's very more aware of its aesthetic choices than truman show ever was is it my turn yes (laughs) okay (laughs) i told you it's gonna die (laughs) it but i'm going to talk about it before we cast our votes Okay. And I'm going to try to argue for it. Okay. Truman Show, I I do see what you mean about social media and just society in the world today, though this movie was made 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. However, I'm going to look at a deeper meaning, okay? Go on. If, it creates almost anxiety within yourself, right? Like, you know what's happening to him, right? Um, and you, it creates like the anxiety within you about like, what if that was happening to me? What if it creates like, uh, I, I don't want to say social commentary, but it makes you think about like how many of these people that I have around me, how many of them are my real friends? How many of them do really care about me in a greater sense? Um, and if I was Truman, I, I don't know how I would, I, you know, like, I don't know how I could go on after all the crap that he put up with. Um, but you, you think about it, it's like you as a person, imagine you being Truman, just, I, I'm trying to think of like how the phrase is like 
you don't know who's around you, right? You you mm-hmm. you're you're living your life, you're doing your thing, but how many of these like I just said, how many of these people really care or whatever? This is just a you know a a, a deal where we are watching this guy live his what he believes to be his real life but everybody around him is completely and totally fake they're all fictional fabrications um and i think that speaks volumes to those with like some kind of paranoia or anxiety about who their friends are you know or what their Mm -hmm. friends think of them and stuff of that nature um and I, I don't know if it was actually meant to be seen in that way. Um, and it probably wasn't. It, it, I, I, ver- I doubt that it was. But, you know, it makes you ask questions. Uh, you know, like he had to cut off people he thought was his family and uh, or future family, if you include the girlfriend slash fiance wife mm-hmm. figure that was there throughout the, his whole story. Um. But, you know, it's just, I, I I mean, there are plenty of flaws. I think there's flaws in both movies. I, and don't get me wrong, I like Inside Lewin Davis because of how real it is. Mm-hmm. I think there's also very real qualities about Truman's show, but it presents them in, in a more of a watch and escape kind of way. Versus whenever you watch Inside Lewin Davis, you just like, that's real. You know, that, that could yeah. very well be a thing back in the 60s 50s mm-hmm. um i don't know i you know this is a hard choice for me because it's not it's not as black and white as it may seem mm-hmm. um because we do you know we do we do like seeing movies that are realistic like inside louis davis la la land very realistic however it does have those dream sequences Mm-hmm. To where you kind of escape from it and you are presented with just cinema. Yeah. And no point during Inside Lewin Davis I feel that wonder of what cinema is, like I felt with A La La Land, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I love Inside Lewin Davis for everything that is done, in, uh, that, and we've talked about it, again, I think more than any other movie, except now Dark Knight and La La Land. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just my you know i i look at truman show and it's like i'm getting a very realistic story presented in a larger than life way and i really like that kind of stuff if i, I kind of ranted there and i'm not sure if it, <laughs> i'm not sure if it all connected in the way that i hoped it would um but, no it made sense i mean I just I'm trying to formulate my thoughts. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I feel like at face, if if we're talking like that, uh, like realistic kind of standpoint, I think Truman Show is at face value. It's it's not. Um, it's hard to take because I what? I mean I've I've sat through I guess to bring to bring other people into it I've sat in in both movies with people and um truman's show has always been um they've both always been kind of like 
people people become very uninterested very quick in Lewin Davis and Truman Show because they're not um, paying attention to I guess the story or or the the inner the meaning details, of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Truman Show definitely I think paints a better picture, like a, a more um, what's the word? It brings people in more. I guess would be the phrase. Um, more it than hits a wider Lewin audience Davis. than Inside Lewin Davis, yeah. Yes, um, but I think over time, you know, people people forget movies over time. Um, and Truman Show has already proven it's not going to get forgotten. But it's hard to bring someone in and say hey, you should check out this movie. If it weren't for Jim Carrey in that role, I don't think that movie would stand out as much as it would, it does. Oh, and, and without a doubt, his performance, yeah. I mean, and not just him, but his performance so, carries it. Yeah, and so when I think of Inside Lewis Davis, I think you're getting exactly what you think you're getting when mm-hmm. you walk into that movie. You know, I could go, hey, you should watch this Jim Carrey movie called The Truman Show, and people will go in, and people are going to walk out and say, Oh, that wasn't what I was expecting, you know, and some people are going to be like, oh, that was really good. Or some people are going to go, oh, that was really bad. I didn't like it. Um, and then when you when you go to Inside Lewin Davis, I, at least I know I like I can give someone an explanation and say like, hey, like this is Inside Lewin Davis. And, you know, they can take that at, at face value as opposed to the Truman Show. Um because it it does follow that that trend of more independent films and um, its story is a little more grown up in a sense. Okay, um, I mean I'm not sure. If, I'm I'm sure we're gonna have to coin flip here. <laughs> <laughs> and like honestly, I, I I'm happy with either one of these winning. I want that to be perfectly clear. Um, because I think that there's a deeper meaning to Truman Show than just the funny story of a guy which turns dramatic very quickly whenever he, whenever all all the events transpire, I guess, you know, I think that there's more Mm -hmm. to it on a more, I guess, analytical or critical standpoint. You can really dissect that more. Mm -hmm. Um, like I just, I, I just did you know uh and granted i could be seeing something that was never intended or was or maybe it's just me seeing it but um i don't know and within inside lou and david it's very cut and dry to the point this is what it is you know you can whenever he looks at the sign that says he could go to whatever city it was that his kid lives in Mm -hmm. that he had the you know the acting there it was just like a quick glance they didn't need to include that at all they could have just completely skipped over it but they chose to include that 15 second snippet there mm-hmm. so i don't know i'm just kind of ranting at this point but let's i i i'm voting for truman are you wait you're voting for inside lewin davis i am voting for inside lewin davis all right coin flip initiate what what are you calling Tails inside Lewin Davis. Inside Lewin Davis wins. Woo! Woo! Okay, so now we have Lomas Sunshine versus The Dark Knight. Uh, um, um, okay, so 
I just want to say I'm not going to make too much of an argument because I think I know who's going to win. <laughs> um, but when I think up until probably 2017, whenever somebody asked me what my favorite movie was, I would always say uh, I have three favorite movies. It was always Schindler's List, The Dark Knight, and Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. The fact that these two are against each other is now like, like, I'm glad we didn't do this last year because then I would have been like, those are my two favorites. Like, how can I, how can I disagree? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, movies like La La Land got thrown in the picture and it just, it overwhelmed me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so Dark Knight, come on. Yeah. Dark Knight. Yeah. That's Take just your the way place. it is. And now for the finals, it is Inside Lewin Davis versus <laughs> Dark Knight. All right, Gage, go ahead, end it. <laughs> it it's the Dark Knight, you know. It is the Dark Knight. And listen, I and uh, I want to make something painfully clear here. All of these movies are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. There are a few in here, like Tony brought up his Rush Hour one, that he feels like he probably could put a better movie in there. I put I brought up Rogue One. And I probably could something better in there. Yeah, and we or, forgot movies like uh, Eternal Sunshine and... Uh, Les Mis. Les Mis. Like, uh, the Chicago. others was a huge one I wanted to put in there, and I totally forgot. There's so many movies we just didn't put in. Yeah. And I mean, we could easily do the same list with 64 other movies. We won't. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's, because let's not do this again. That many movies. It's May, and we were go- wanting to have it done by March, but you know, whatever. Oh my gosh. We Did started we start this in January? We started in February. Oh, okay. I was like, so, dang. Yeah, we started it like, I think, oh, one or two weeks before the end of February. So. <laughs> We've been going at this for three months now for the bracket. Wow. And wow. We, I know. So, Dark Knight, congratulations. You win. I will only put the one applause in here. <laughs> Making that very clear. <laughs> I may not even put any applause in here, depending on how how editing is going to be. I don't know how I'm going to do the music. Because, you know, the news episode, it's the rock music. And Cinema mm. Fray episode, it's like the, the hip-hop kind of music. So, like... How am I going to do it? Who knows? Going to have to work on auto, audio mixing skills here. But <laughs> There you go. Oh, man. It is just... We... It has been a good five whole months of doing this podcast. Um, yes. We started... The very first episode came out Christmas Day of 2017. And wow. I know. it's We've been going on it for... On a weekly basis for a long time. Sure, we skipped a week or two there um, once we started doing these productions. Mm-hmm. And that's whenever we realized that we just can't logically do it uh, until we get these productions done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like to thank everybody who has stuck around through n- not only like all of all of our podcasts, but this three-hour episode. it's this i mean this is a a really long episode and we tried to do it as a long episode to kind of wrap up every everything we have done in the past five months so yeah um it it kind of it kind of sucks 
saying that this is going to be the end of it for a little bit. Um, but I think ending it with, you know, finishing this bracket, Dark Knight was the destined winner from the very beginning. Yeah. It was the number one seed. La La Land almost had it. I almost voted for La La Land. I was so close to doing it and just having us flip a coin. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, yeah, because those are my now? two favorite movies. Two favorite yeah. movies. It's just my heart. My and, heart aches for this moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because like we're doing this and I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I'm so glad that we came this far. I'm glad um, we made it. We made it. <laughs> it was a long, grueling process. We had Tony uh, and Gigi, and I'm pretty sure we had other people voting at some point as well. I don't remember anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, it was a long, grueling process, but we, we made through it, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and I cannot wait until we show you guys all the just special projects we are working on. Yes. Because, like, I mean, I know my I know my thing's got to be a web series only, but Michael, you have a huge plans for your production that you're doing. And it, it, it's just been a crazy journey, and we've made it here. It's been wild. <sighs> but I'm excited to see new things. Uh, Okay. And hopefully, yes, hopefully uh, return back to this um, at a calmer time. <laughs> I would like to say fall, because at least yes. then we're just editing. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. And, we, and we'll pop in every now and again, put another one out for a, yeah. a review. Um, because this summer, it may not have a lot of good movies, but we do have the solo, we do have Deadpool, and... Uh, Incredible Silver Lake, man. Under Silver Lake. I mean, A24. I didn't even talk about the AMC stuff that I said I was going to talk about. Man. So, <laughs> so much stuff we still have yet to talk about. Like, I, we've, we've done our summer preview, though, so there's no need to go over it. <sighs> it's, just know that this is not goodbye forever. This is just goodbye for now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> trying to end it on like a dramatic note <laughs> um all right well until next time folks you know it, it's it's been real i would like to thank you michael for joining me today thank you for having me and all these wonderful podcasts <laughs> <laughs> And until next time. Oh wait, that's not my that's not how I close this thing out. What? <laughs> Gage is very lost today, everyone. It, it's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, I'm sorry. So, so from all of us here at Greenleaf Flicks, Cinema Fray, in South by Midwest, we will see you next time. <laughs>